Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, happy end of April almost to May. I cannot believe it. May's a fun month around here. My birthday's in May. The happy hour birthday's in May. We have several team members who have birthdays in May. The school ends in May. So we're like on the edge of it, guys. Happy end of April. We have a really great show for you today. Today, my friend Jeannie Stevens comes on the show. She's the founding and co-lead pastor of Soul City Church in Chicago. And I tell her this in the show, but her book came out last year and it was pitched for the happy hour. We just didn't have space. We just didn't have a space to put it but I grabbed this book and read it in the fall and loved it so much. And I'm like, we have to talk about it. And Jeannie explains a book in the show, but it really is like, how are we missing out on God right now in this moment, right where he has us? Because we're so consumed with the past or so consumed with the future. And I doubt that there's anybody listening to this does not have one area of their life that they can say to themselves, that's me. I mean, they're living through the past, in the past, or trying to predict the future and control it, that I'm missing out on what I have. We talk about this in a lot of different areas. We talk about it a lot, particularly with us too, with parenting, and we and we have a great conversation about that. We also talk about what it was like to pastor in the midst of COVID. And I know I've asked other people on the show that, but I know she has a unique perspective as being a woman, and also had a great conversation about what it feels like to also need to be pastored. And so we had a great conversation about that. And then lastly, We talk about, we've both been married for over two decades, and we talk about how do we become better lovers and not just roommates, and this is not a sexual conversation, but just what does it look like to to seek out intimacy in all different kinds of ways with our spouses after we've been married for so long, and listen, Jeannie shares a story about something that her counselor had her and her husband, Jarrett, do, and it is so good. You're going to want to make sure you don't miss out on this. All right, guys, here's my conversation with Jeannie Stevens. Jeannie, welcome to the happy hour. Jamie, it is so good to be here with you. Well, this is exciting. And I want to give a little behind the scenes. Okay. So um, you had a book that came out May of last year. So almost a year ago called What's Here Now. And um, I got the book, all the things. I got all the pitches, all the things. And we just didn't have space. Like we didn't have the space. And so that's what happens when you run a show. You don't have space. I'm thinking of a good friend right now that I don't have space for. It is my biggest problem, okay? So time goes on. Then the fall comes, and I start writing my book. And I head to a hotel, downtown Austin, to spend three days in a hotel writing. I packed a big bag of books, and I threw your book in my bag. Okay? I I hadn't cracked it it open. I love it. And I started reading it. I quoted your book in my new book. And then I was like, (laughs) why have I not talked to her on the show? So, Mm. So I'm so happy you're on now. Oh, I'm so happy. And I'm so glad that it was an encouragement to you. Um, Such an encouragement. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So there's just like a little behind the scenes. People always ask like, how do you pick your guests? I'm like, sometimes it's really hard, you know, but here we are. Okay. Introduce yourself to my listener. 
Okay. Well, uh, we met a number of years ago. Uh, I mean, a lot of years ago. A lot of years ago. Uh, but for your listeners that I don't know, uh, my name is Jeannie Stevens. You and I are actually in a very similar season of life. Um, how long have you and Aaron been married? This summer will be 22 years. Okay. Yeah. So Jarrett and I are 26. Okay. Uh-huh. Which in my brain, I still feel like I'm 26. So right. how that is like mathematically math possible, I'm not up, sure. It right? doesn't add up. Uh, so we're in a similar season of life of marriage. Our two kids are also, um, we have high schoolers. And yeah. so we're like approaching that season of people leaving our nest. I'm like, how am I here? How I is know. this possible? So uh, yes, yeah, so we're in really similar seasons of life. We live in Chicago. Uh, Jarrett and I started a church together 13 years ago, uh, which is crazy. We started it in our living room, uh, Soul City Church in downtown Chicago. So we're in a very urban environment. Um, lots of people uh, in their young 20s, 30s, their early careers, starting families. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's it's vibrant, uh, mostly millennials, Gen Z. Uh, so I'm like the oldest of the bunch there. Uh, <laughs> but They're like, yeah, Mama just, Jeannie. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but it's, it's such a beautifully eclectic, diverse, um, curious community, uh, which I just, I love. I absolutely love. So it sounds beautiful. Well, I'm excited um, to have you on. I definitely, we have got to talk about this married for 20 plus years, having these high schooler kids. And I want to talk about that with you because I have a couple questions for you actually, Yes, (laughs) but I want to start with your book. Um, and I want to start by reading, uh, from the beginning, I actually should have, I should have researched today and found what, what I used from your book and my book. Um, yeah, I'm so curious. You'll have to reach out to me and tell me. I'm in the middle of edits. So when I come to it, I'll let you know. But, but the book is called, um, what's here now. And you say this in the introduction, you say, we are not who we once were and our experiences do not need to be our existence today. Keeping one foot in the past keeps us from receiving the gift of the present. When we go back into our closets of shame, lowlands of loss and gullies of guilt, we rip ourselves out of the present moment and miss out on how God is moving in the now. And I highlighted that in my book when I read it, um, when I was working on mine. And I just want to, I just want to ask you, why this conversation? Why is this personal to you? Where have your experience of having that one foot stuck in the back, stuck in the past for you been like? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I was very intentional to title the book with a question, uh, this idea of what's here now. And, and some of it I'm sure comes from, I love that so much of what Jesus did was ask questions mm-hmm. instead of give answers. You know, I, I think it's uh, been researched that he like answered three questions mm-hmm. uh, and the rest were all just him offering stories or him asking questions. And so the idea of asking a question, what's here now, is the idea of inviting people to get curious with themselves, to get curious around where are they really? Because I think for myself, um, and and I'm sure as, as a fellow writer, Uh, This book wrote me before I wrote this book, (laughs) and uh, I wrote the book that I most needed. Mm -hmm. And uh, I realized that I I was not in the here and the now. I was Mm -hmm. really, really good at rehashing the past, as you you just read in that little section. Mm -hmm. And I was really good at rehearsing the future. Uh, and, And the idea of 
of both of those things, right? Rehashing the past is trying to change something that's already happened and it can't Mm -hmm. be changed. Mm -hmm. And the idea of rehearsing the future is trying to control something that hasn't yet happened and you can't control it. Uh, And I really like to change things and control Mm -hmm. things. And uh, every time I found myself grappling with and struggling with changing, changing things, trying to control things, I realized I was not in the here and the now. And mm-hmm. the, the amazing thing about the presence of God is that uh, that's where God always is. Mm. God is always in the present. And if we're not in the present, then we are not in the presence of God. Mm. And so I started to realize, wow, so often my body is here, but my mind, my heart, um, my emotions, my uh, relational replaying of things in the past and the future, they're in a totally different location. And I was never going to experience the peace of God if I didn't learn how to live in the presence of God. Mm. And, you know, when yeah. you said you were really good at rehashing the past and rehearsing the future, I couldn't help but think I if I had like, if I was keeping my hours of my day, you know, like if I had like a little tally of hours, where would my percentages fall? Because I too struggle with that. And I think that you and I are not alone. I think this is a a humanity problem uh, because like you said, we want to fix what we feel we failed at Mm -hmm. and we want to have control over what's ahead. Um, You know, when I was thinking about this with my own personal life, Jeannie, I thought like sometimes the present feels scary, you know, because Feeling like you could go change something in the past, it almost means I want to make amends, I want to fix, mm-hmm. I want to like even go as far as like ask God for forgiveness and like, okay, God, do I need to keep paying penance for what I did? Right. And then this idea of the future is like, I'm going to be better. I'm going to do better. But sometimes the present is like, it's a scary place to be. What Absolutely. is it for you that you have found to have peace in the present? Because yeah. we have this weird idea that we'll feel better in on either side. And we know that's not true. Oh, how are you finding peace in the present? Yeah, well, it's funny, too, because we have all these ways that we identify, right? Uh, Like even even silly ways, right? This idea of FOMO, right? The the fear of missing out, that there's a there that's somehow better than your here. Um, And and we we do that with our past. We even do that with our future. And I think the past is this uh, idea of almost like living in what was. And and there's sometimes, uh, you know, that feeling of um, remembering and holding on to. uh, And then there's also the things that are hard, right? And anytime we rehash the past, I, I found for me, Jamie, that I tended to go to five different areas when I was rehashing the past. The first is blame. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm looking for somebody to blame, uh, somebody to direct my responsibility on that I don't want to take responsibility for. Uh, then there's shame, which I like to define shame as self-hatred at my expense. Like if you oh, spell out good. the word shame. Yeah. Yeah. So if you spell out the word shame, it's just self-hatred at my expense. And anytime we're recycling shame, we're rehashing the past. Then, of course, there's guilt. Uh, and, and guilt is just that silent suffering from mistakes made. And, and the interesting thing about blame, shame, and guilt is like, there are these triplets in this relationship that draw us to the past, right? Because blame says you made a mistake. Mm. Uh, guilt says I made a mistake and shame says I am a mistake. Like my very being is a mistake. And anytime we're cycling any of those three, it's pulling us to the past. Then there's grief. 
You know, it's, Mm. it's, it's the reality of a loss that we just are unwilling to work through or bitterness. You just Mm. mentioned that, you know, this unforgiveness, this holding on to something, knowing we need to work through forgiveness and any of those five things, they draw us right back to the past Mm. and it's living in the what was. And, and the future is kind of the same way, right? It's, it's just an avoidance of, of the now. It's a, it's an avoidance of what's here now. Um, and in the future, you know, worry is a big one. I think so many of us experienced this uh, during COVID anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know how to uh, name what's going on. And, and worry is really living in a not yet that's worse than your mm-hmm. now. Like you've, yeah. you've literally made this like yes. fictional reality. Uh-huh. And it's worse than your factual reality. It's always worse. It's never better. It's always worse. Yep. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. yet you find yourself living there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so many of us, I, I think that's why we fall prey to worry, while we fall prey to anxiety, uh, so worry, denial, like just not wanting to face mm. uh, something that you need to face about your life, uh, pretending, uh, I think as women, especially we camouflage, we we put on the mask, we don't allow our authentic selves to be seen. And so mm. we just dance around pretending. Uh, and it's this way to kind of live out in the future. And then obligation, uh, living under all kinds of shoulds. Um, you know, we just should on ourselves over all and over long. and over yep. again, right? And then control. And so all of these ways are ways that we live in either what was or the what ifs. Mm-hmm. But when we live in what is, we live in the presence of God. And mm-hmm. I think for many years, I, I actually uh, thought that like, God's presence was something I had to go and find that it was like out there. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and what I began to realize is that God is ever present. God, God Mm -hmm. says literally that he is an ever present help in times of trouble. So that means that God is as present as present can be, right? Like God is never not present. I'm the one that's not present. Mm -hmm. I'm the one that isn't coming into the presence of God because I'm trying to change something or control something. And when we dwell in the present with God, we actually accept what is. Mm. We accept what is. And that's where there's so much peace. Yeah. That That's where there's actually um, not fighting to change our reality, mm-hmm. but actually living in a healthy acceptance of what is true Mm. about our reality. We consent to reality, if you will. And that's actually the place where we can grow and transform. But it's when we have all that avoidance, we're not going to grow and transform. It's so true. And you guys, just to keep pitching her book, like she tells us all, Jeannie tells us all these things, but then there's scripts and there's ideas and there's helpful. So this is a really helpful thing. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. 
If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music. Just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. I want to read this about shame, and then I want to talk about how everything you're talking about for you and I with living in the past or living in the future, I want to talk about it with our kids. Okay. We're mm. both parenting um, teenagers who are on their way to this next stage of life, but I can't, I can't let you go from the shame part. I want to read this. This is also in your shame part that I had highlighted. It's a whole paragraph. So hold on guys. Here we go. You write this. I didn't realize shame was blocking me from my own heart. It was holding me back from taking the very important step of leaving my thoughts and living into a wide open heart. I never expected my shame could become a fuel that propelled me into a deeper experience of belonging. But I began to see that God had not brought me so far to only leave me where I was. I could, in fact, let go of the filters and pretending. I didn't have to hide anymore. And my past stories of destruction could become present declaration that I was a human being and I belonged to a human experience. We never have to betray our present because of past pain. And we can boldly declare that was then, this is now, I am committed to living in the now. And I could list out a million ways that I, that I overlaid what you said in my own personal life, mm -hmm. but I want to talk about parenting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Jeannie, I have a podcast that I host with Lisa Whittle all about parenting. and Which is I, so good. You're so, so good. kind. Thank you. I was telling Lisa that um, last year when we recorded that podcast, it was last May. 
I was in probably one of my hardiest seasons in a lot of areas. It was hard Mm -hmm. at work. It was hard at home. It was hard in parenting. I just felt every day like this can't get any harder. And then I have to sit down and talk about how to be a good mom. And I remember we recorded the first day and I went to my house and I got in the closet and I just bawled my Mm -hmm. eyes out because I'm like, Mm -hmm. all I could think about was all my mistakes in parenting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now this year we recorded and I was still the same person, (laughs) all the things, (laughs) But I also am like, we're all in this together. We're living and we're learning and all the things. And so I wasn't living in the past, this season we recorded. But when I think about parenting, there is this idea of the future. So I talked about the past of how we can like dwell on like, oh, if I would have known this, yeah. I would have been a better mom to a sixth grade right, girl. Right, right. Well, I didn't know that then, you know? Right. So <laughs> I cannot go back in time. Um, but you and I are sending kids off to college. My son is a freshman in college right now. He still lives at home, but he's going away in the fall. And then I've got three more kids. What does it look like for you as you're raising kids and you're sending them out in the world, not to get stuck in the worry part of the future? Cause like, totally. I think that we both would say there's no, no, there's nothing wrong with like thinking about the future. We're planning. You have to do things. Yeah, absolutely. But it's creating that whole world that isn't true. So what does it look like for you to fight that? Oh gosh. I, I mean, I so identify, I so identify with the, um, the pressures of being a person that wants to help others live a great life. And mm-hmm. then that tension of crying in the closet, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, yeah. I, I feel that as a leader, as a pastor, as somebody that wants to help people get it right. And is so aware of the ways that I don't get it right. And that imposter syndrome. And I think especially as a mom, you know, and having this kid that I adore, that I love, that is on the precipice of leaving and launching and wondering like, have I failed him? Right. Did I, did I teach him enough meals to make? (laughs) You know, did I, did I teach him how to be respectful to others? Did I teach him how to look into people's eyes? Did I teach Mm -hmm. him how to put his phone down when he's in a conversation? Did I teach him how to be curious and ask questions? Or did I teach him how to, you know, just be a judgmental human being, right? I mean, let's be honest. It's from making meals to being a healthy human in the world, right? Right. And I mean, it's amazing to me how quickly the enemy wants to Mm. cloud my thoughts with failure, with shame, with regret, Mm. um, instead of actually looking at what is, Mm. what's here now, who is this kid and, and how awesome is he? And these questions that he just asked me. And instead of all of the things that I think he should be, Mm. or I should have done, can I receive actually what is? I had a Mm. spiritual director once say to me a number of years ago, I was discerning on trying to make some decisions. And I remember saying to her, gosh, I I wish I would have known to do that then. And she said to me, she goes, well, Jeannie, God didn't give you that wisdom then. Mm. And it was such a freeing moment for me, Jamie. And I try to do the same in my parenting. I -hmm. I fail regularly, but when I get myself in a worry storm of, is, is Elijah going to be okay? He's actually looking at at Baylor. And, um, you know, I'm thinking about my kid, like going and living in Texas, which you're going to need to go check on him. Um, (laughs) if he goes, but, um, you know, I'm like, is he going to be okay? Is he, you know, how's he going to show up in the world? All these kinds of things. And I have to remind myself, 
what my spiritual director said to me many years ago, God gave me the wisdom that he gave for me mm-hmm. while I was raising him. Mm-hmm. And what I've poured into is what I've poured into. This is the present moment, right? Mm-hmm. And trying to live in all of these uh, what was or what ifs is going to keep me from being in what is with him. Yeah. And um, miss out on this present moment. Mm-hmm. Miss out on the fact that he's still sitting at my dinner table. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm so worried about the dinner table he's going to be at in a year versus where he's right. at today, I'm missing yeah. this moment with him, and I'm missing the the present wisdom that God might have for me right now in His mm-hmm. life. And um, you know, it is it is so it is so difficult, but it is so true. And I remember a friend told me one time, she's like, "Why are you picking up tomorrow's worries? Mm-hmm. Like, like leave them for tomorrow. You know, totally. like they're going to be totally. there tomorrow. Why are we yep. carrying them around for today? You yep. have enough worries Absolutely. for today." Um, why are we picking them up? And it, and it is so, so, so true. I know one of the things that you talk about in here that has been helpful for me in my own personal life, and I'm assuming for you as well, because, you know, we write about what's helpful for us is you talk about like really like taking captive our thoughts and you you say like flipping the scripts, even you say your thoughts are powerful, but more importantly, your thoughts have the power to change your mind. Mm -hmm. What you do with all the thoughts of life through your mind will determine the way that you live your life. And you actually say, you know, you're in control of what goes in and out of your mind. And and you have some, some scripts about flipping the scripts. And I think that's been a real helpful for me and what I've done in my own life. And I would love to hear you talk about It's like, identify where am I the most likely to go like off the deep end. And I'm, what I mean by that is like, I'm most awfully for me, it's parenting. Mm-hmm. parenting always Satan's always going to use that to think I'm failing because yeah. it's yeah. I don't know why it's maybe it'd be like that for every mom yeah. but for me how do I flip the script and so what I might believing might be believing mm-hmm. but then I have to tell myself something differently um what does that look like for you because I think when you wrote about that I was like yes this is what people yeah. need to know because it feels so easy like oh yeah. Jeannie of course yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you're really uh, zeroing in on one of the greatest ways that we can live in the present moment, and that is with our thoughts. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. neuroscientists believe that we think anywhere to 60 to 80,000 thoughts in a day. I mean, come on. That's a lot. That's a lot of thoughts. That's too many thoughts. (laughs) And I feel like I I go way beyond that. (laughs) And, And when I was researching for the book and studying and um, really trying to even understand my own um, ways in which I get stuck in these invisible toxic beliefs, right, Uh, is how I talk about them in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, I almost began to use the metaphor of um, like planes overhead, right? Like if you think about um, an airport, right? And and you think about, um, you know, 60 to 80,000 thoughts going overhead. And if an airport land uh, cleared every single one of those planes at the same time for landing, it would just be chaos. And I think so often our thoughts are like planes overhead, right? Mm -hmm. They're just flying over. They're flying over. And we have these invisible toxic beliefs. I'm not a good mom. I haven't prepared my son to go out into the world. I should have taught him how to um, you know, be more curious in that conversation? Or um, did he just, you know, uh, absorb all of my my judgmental thinking uh, yeah. about that situation and now he's, you know, got the exact same thing? Or does my daughter, you know, view, view her friends this way because she's watched me view my friends right. this way? You know, whatever it is, right? If I clear every single one of those thoughts for landing, 
that is just a bunch of invisible toxic beliefs surrounding my mind. And, mm-hmm. and what I believe God teaches us to do is to take captive our thoughts instead of allowing our thoughts to take us captive mm-hmm. and to actually say, is that thought really true? Mm-hmm. You know, to actually ask ourselves. Like call it out. The, call it out. Yeah. Is that thought true? No, that thought isn't true. Mm-hmm. Here are the things that I have done. Mm-hmm. Here are the ways that I have invested. Here are the ways that I've fallen short. And here's a way that I can get yeah. better tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And it's such a different way to live with peace with our thoughts, to live with freedom with mm-hmm. our thoughts. And instead of these invisible, toxic beliefs, we turn them into invisible, truthful beliefs, yeah. right? Like yeah. it, it is true. I have invested this. Mm-hmm. And we begin to speak truth to ourselves and we begin to literally say to our thoughts, I'm not going to clear you for landing. Yeah. Like in the metaphor, we're, we're, it's almost like God is like, yeah, you're you're the air traffic controller of your thoughts. Tell them. Not every thought you have is worthy to land on the yeah. runway of your mind. And so yeah. let it go. And that's one of the best ways that we can practice being present is with our thoughts. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Jeannie, you um, have been pastoring your church for a long time, and um, I, I, I never know if I'm supposed to say, like, we're on the other side of COVID or not. Like, it just <laughs> feels like I don't really I know. know. Right. But we definitely for sure can say we are on the other side of a part yes. of that pandemic yes. that was so um, so devastating to so many families and lives yeah. that were lost and communities, yeah. our children, schools, and our churches as well. Mm-hmm. And I have not spoken to one pastor that has not said that pastoring during COVID was the hardest thing they've ever done in their entire lives. Absolutely. Same, <laughs> same, like, same, same. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I've, I've been in ministry. Um, you know, I, I mentioned Jarrett and I have been married for 26 years. Our first year of marriage, we started in ministry. So we've been in ministry for 26 years. We worked at two other churches before we started our own. And I can say the last three years have been the hardest years of ministry that I have ever been in. Um, and I think it's the combination of what you just mentioned, obviously navigating a global pandemic and, and none of us like, you know, right. got a playbook, you know, God didn't like <laughs> send an email and it's like, here's the playbook as to how to navigate COVID-19, right? Like, you know, everybody's wish. kind of like, yeah. I wish, right. You're making it up, um, a treacherous political season, uh, a long overdue racial reckoning. Um, that needed to happen and needs to continue to mm-hmm. happen, right? Uh, and people at rapid speeds, um, I would just say, wrestling with their mental health in a way that I don't think they ever have before and seeing people just really not be well mm-hmm. um, and not know how to attain wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of that, and then throw in some grief, throw in deep loneliness, you know, throw in uh, 
this job that I once did, um, I, you know, it looks completely different. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was a wild three years, a wild you know, three years. Everything you listed is nothing new. There's no one going, Oh, hadn't thought about that. Like we're all mm -hmm. like, yes, 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 yes. And yeah. Pastoring through that and caring for people who are walking through that has been incredibly hard for people in ministry. But I think something that we don't talk about a lot is like how we're, we're acting as if the pastors weren't going through the same thing. Like, right, right. Like they're experiencing, yeah. you and Jared are experiencing mm -hmm. the exact same thing that I'm experiencing yeah. and I yep. do not work at a church. Yeah. Um, what was that like for you to continue to lead, continue to love? continue to serve. And yet you're also walking through the same experience. It's almost like, yeah. I've never thought of it this way, but it's almost like if you're asking someone who just lost a spouse to minister mm -hmm. to someone who just lost mm -hmm. a spouse. Right. Right. You're, it, 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 and you're yeah. calling and be like, lead us, like, tell us what to yes. do. And they're like, exactly. no, I just lost my spouse too. And you're like, yeah. we don't care. Keep going. How yeah. has that been for you? Yeah. Well, I think thankfully I'm, I'm so grateful that um, the thing that people actually really desire from th there was a study just done, I believe Barna did it um, around what is it that people most long for from their pastors and what do they most long for specifically in preaching? And I think the number one thing that was said was that they long for people to be honest. Mm. They That's long not surprising to me at they all. They long for their pastors and their teachers to be authentic and to be vulnerable. Mm. And, you know, I think the way that you just um, articulated that challenge, I think so often what is so hard for pastors is they have probably listened to many invisible toxic beliefs. Mm. They've probably listened to many scripts over the years um, that they need to be the good shepherd instead of point people to the good shepherd, that they need to be perfect that they need to have every answer, that they need to know exactly where to point people to go. And, you know, I would say the, the moments where I was at my best over the last three years was where I led with courage, but I also led with honest vulnerability, you know, and I just said, here's, here's what we're going to do. Here's what I know. Here's what I don't know. Here's what I feel confident about. Here's what I have absolutely no idea if this is the right decision. And when I allowed myself to show up like that as a vulnerable leader, I actually, I felt healthier mm -hmm. and I actually believe that the people that I'm called to shepherd felt more trust with me. Mm. And, you know, so often um, the complaints of leadership is that leadership is lonely, right? And and I have found that leadership is lonely only if you want it to be. Mm. And the complaint of, you know, leadership is so hard, I don't have time for, you know, myself. Well, it's hard if you don't make time for yourself, mm -hmm. right? Like mm -hmm. the, the person that needs the most self-awareness in, in the organization has to be the leader. Yeah. Um, yeah. They have to be able to see themselves. Um, there's no time for me to learn as a leader, right? Well, mm -hmm. a leader that stops learning is a leader that is going to no longer be leading right. soon. Mm -hmm. And so all these adages, right, all of these um, things that we know about leadership, I think the last three years, what was so challenging but also so good is that I think it pushed 
leaders to get really honest with themselves about what needs to shift in how they lead, what Mm -hmm. needs to change um, so that they can do it for the long haul. Because I think in that same study, I think 42% of pastors um, have considered leaving ministry this last year. And that's the highest it's ever been. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And I would say to add on top of that, it's not just people in pastoral positions. It's anyone holding mm-hmm. a ministry role. Um, and when the helpers don't receive their own help, um, we can't offer help. It's so hard. Well, I'm always being married to a pastor. I'm always sensitive and yeah. want to acknowledge the care and the hardship that you guys have walked through. So. I'm just acknowledging it for yeah, you, Jeannie. Thank it's you. Been, it's been a hard couple of years. Yeah, um, yeah. It's been a hard couple of years. Okay. And a lot this, of learning. <laughs> yes, a lot of learning. And a lot yes. of, it's also been like, there's been so many negative things about COVID-19. Like I can list a, a million things from me just as a participant at my church. Like I don't work at my church, but there's also been like, oh, we've seen new and fresh ways. Yeah. And new and fresh ideas. Absolutely. I mean, it's like Absolutely. re-innovating things. So it's been great yep. in some ways. Yeah. Okay. We don't have we don't have much time, but I have to talk about talk to you about this because, listen, you and I are both in the same season of marriage. We've got these high school kids. We have been married for over twenty years. Two people working, all the things, and and you said that you are keenly aware of working through seasons of marriage when you feel more like roommates than lovers. <laughs> yes, and Jeannie, let me just say, there, I never um, if you would have told me when Aaron and I first got married that we would get to a season where we would desire each other, but we're too tired. Totally. Like we would literally look at each other right. and be like, I am so tired. Like I, I literally want to have sex with you. Yes. I'm so tired. Like I just am like, how, are you? And then the other person's like, yeah, me too. And then you go to bed. Right. You're like, let's watch something on Netflix. Right. Exactly. Like, exactly. It is such, there's a different level of exhaustion and parenting teenagers is a different level of exhaustion because these kids never go to bed and then they want to right. talk to you at like 1130 at night. And it's just like, oh, I'm so tired. Yes. So tell me, how are you guys? How are you guys finding space to be more than roommates? And I don't mean just sexually, obviously. Yes, of joke, course, but, of course. I mean intimate in all. But the it's ways. real. It's real, and um, and we both know that intimacy is not just sex. It exactly, is, it 100%. is the wholeness of your relationship. But it's it's a huge component of how you mm-hmm. communicate, right? And it's a gift from God. Uh, we a while back started working with this new marriage counselor. She's awesome. Um, and, and so her name is joy and, um, and we do it on zoom, uh, which I guess that's one of the blessings, right? Of COVID, go, right? right? Yep. I, I got a marriage counselor on zoom. And, um, so we're, we're having this session with joy and she's, she's great. And so we're sitting at our kitchen table and we're both sitting on these or at our counter and we're on these stools and she's on zoom. Right. And she's like, okay, well, you know, I, I hear that you guys are kind of struggling with your connection with one another. And it seems as though there's some patterns that, you know, are continuing to surface. And so what I would like for you to do is I would like for you to turn to one another and I want you to answer this question back and forth. So like Jeannie, you go first and then Jarrett, you go first and you don't need to give a rebuttal. And I'm like, oh gosh, where is this going? So she's like, here's the question, turn and face one another. And I want you to answer this question. Here's how I'm bringing disconnection to our relationship. Oh, wow. Here's how and I'm I like, am. I'm like, Joy, <laughs> you're, you're the counselor. 
I, I recognize that I'm going to pay you at the end of this session, but I have a problem with this question because my problem is that I would like to point out all the ways Jarrett is bringing right. disconnection to our relationship, right? Oh. And so she's like, I, I get that you want to do that. She's like, just go with me, right? And so we start going back and forth and, and just naming mm. um, the different ways that we needed to take personal responsibility for how we were bringing disconnection into the relationship. And Jamie, I mean, it was maybe three or four back and forths and both of us melted, softened. Uh There was this like moment of like, oh my gosh, I've Mm -hmm. just been projecting and blaming. Mm -hmm. And so often that's what's keeping us from intimacy. All kinds of intimacy, right? Yeah. Sexual mm-hmm. intimacy, um, relational, emotional, emotional intimacy, yeah. intellectual, not just, you know, zoning out on our phones, mm-hmm. but actually having a, you know, an interesting conversation. And I watched as we took our personal responsibility, how it actually increased our intimacy in the moment. That's and so, so good, Jeannie. You know, we have been trying, so we are, we are not perfect at this, but we are trying that when we find ourselves in those moments to go, okay, is there something that I'm actually projecting away mm-hmm. from, from myself that I need to take personal responsibility here so that I can increase our relational connectedness? Um, wow. Kudos to yeah. Joy. Joy brought it. I mean, it right? She brought it. She brought it that session. It was so good. Um, and, think- and it helps, yeah, it just helps us then go, okay, so what kind of relationship do we want to create mm-hmm. here? Yeah. You know, and I too, I was thinking when you said that, I think that often it would be easy for me to point out everything Aaron was doing. Oh, and that I, all day long. We and him to me as well. I but. am I am great at that. <laughs> yeah, this is our this is our strong point. Yep. But there is something super vulnerable about saying, yes. "Hey, I'm actually going to be willing to say, yeah. I, here's what here's what I'm bringing, and I know yeah. I need to change." And that does something when the other person hears it. Oh, completely. Because you know, none of us are drawn to people that aren't vulnerable. Mm. We we don't want to build relationships with people that don't show us their authentic vulnerability. So good. And so our intimacy and our desire for intimacy increases when we see vulnerability and then when we actually practice it ourselves. Mm. Like when I when I see Jarrett being vulnerable with me, I'm like, oh my gosh, you, yeah. I, I love you. I yeah. adore you. Oh my, I can't believe I get to be with you, right? Yeah. Everything and vice softens. versa. It yeah. softens. Yeah. That's so good. Well, that's going to freak some people up. Some people are going to go home tonight after dinner and be like, look at me, babe. We're going to do Joy's exercise. Joy's um, exercise. <laughs> Sit at this stool at our kitchen counter and let's share it. Lay so, it all yes. out. Yeah, lay um, it all out. Jeannie, I would love to hear from you. What are you reading these days? Mm, yeah. I. Um, so I'm reading a great book called The Speed of Trust. Okay. Uh, it's a fascinating book about how does trust get built uh, in relationships and organizations. Um, fascinating. Another one is smart brevity uh, because I have been told that I have a lot of words. And so I'm trying to learn how to um, use wiser words. Ooh, I like um, this. It's a okay. fascinating book. It's called Smart Brevity about how to say more with less. Uh, and so I'm loving that. Uh, and the psychology of money. Have you read that book? No. Is it's it good? 
really, really good. Like understanding our relationship to resources. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm reading it because I'm thinking about all of the resources that need to be spent on college here real there soon. You go. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, that is ahead it's, of us. It's a great book. It's a great book. That's awesome. Do you read like all three of those randomly at the same time? Or are you kind of like one's here at work, one's in my purse, one's there. I just pick up when I'm there. Yeah, I always keep one in my uh, bag with me um, as as a way to tell myself to read instead of scroll. Because um, mm-hmm. man, it's so easy to just yeah. like zone out. But um, I try to always have a book in my bag, and then I usually have a couple on my nightstands. And I'm and I'm usually reading them around the same time. Yeah, um, I don't know where what you about guys are you? in Chicago, but are uh, well, I'll tell you what I'm reading. But I have a question for you. Are in Chicago? Are you public transportation people? I don't know what Chicago looks like. It, there is that. there is public transportation. We don't take it. Um, okay, we have cars. It's just okay. it's just easier. But okay. Um, Aaron and I were in New York City a couple of weeks ago and we did the subway the whole time. And I was like, man, I would hope that if I lived here that I would go through some right. books on the subway right. and not totally. scroll my phone. But yeah, um, totally. I'm reading a book right now. It's called Time, The Untold Story of the Love That Held Us Together When Incarceration Kept Us Apart. And mm. so it's by husband and wife, Fox and Rob. And he was incarcerated for... Well, I haven't got to the end, but I know he's out now for 20-something years. Wow. She was incarcerated for maybe a year or two for an armed robbery that they did together in Louisiana. So it's really, really good. And I I think I want to reach out. What a fascinating story. I know. I think I want to invite her to come on the happy hour. So time will see if she comes on. But it's called Time, and I'm really liking it. Hmm. Yeah. So that's awesome. I read in the bathtub. That's where I get most of my reading. I was going to ask you, where do you get most of your reading done? Mostly in the bathtub. So mostly the bathtub or for work, I'll read at work. You know, if I'm getting Mm -hmm. ready for an interview or something, I want to read a book. So yeah. Do you audible or do you read? Um, I love audible for fiction. Mm -hmm. Like if to use your book, for example, I would not want it on audible because like I have it marked up. And so I like to mark things that I want to remember this. Yeah. But if it's a fiction story, audible all day long. Totally. On planes, it's great. On planes, on walks, all kinds of stuff. So, yeah. Well, Jeannie, I am so grateful that you finally came on the happy hour. I'm so glad it worked out. I am too. um, I'm glad I put through your book into my bag this last fall when I went to work on my project. And so it was a a joy to read your words and they were super encouraging to me and helpful. Um, So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for all that you do. Um, I'm a faithful listener, uh, but thank you for exposing so many different voices through the happy Mm. hour for us to grow and to learn. And it's such a gift, such a blessing. And it's so good to see you again. It's good to see you too. I appreciate your kind words. The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey is a production of Ivy Media Podcast. Executive produced by Jamie Ivey, produced by Lindsay Sweeney, edited by Angie Elkins, show notes by Nikki Ogden, art by Jen Jet Barrett, original music by Matt Graham, and I'm your host, Jamie. Have a happy hour with a friend. <laughs>